Friends, let us turn now in the word of God for our worship, for our praise, for our instruction in righteousness. We turn to the Gospel of John in the first chapter. The Gospel of John, chapter 1. Read from verses 1 to 15 of chapter 1 of the first chapter. John chapter 1, verses 1 to 15. Let us hear God's word together. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glorious of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Amen. This is God's holy word. And may the Lord be pleased to bless the reading, the public reading of his word, and then the ministry the preaching of his word to our hearts here tonight. Let us draw once again in prayer to God by faith in his Son. Well, dear friends, I ask you to please turn your prayerful attention to that first chapter of the Gospel of John, John chapter 1. And I wish to take from my text this evening the verse 10 of this chapter. I've never preached solely on this verse itself, preached on various verses in this chapter, round around these verses, but it struck me this last week of three things that we at least see in this particular verse that I wish to draw your attention to this evening concerning the Lord Jesus. Of course, by and large, the world at this time speaks of Christmas. What does that really mean? Well, Christmas wasn't really celebrated up until the 1700s, 1800s even then. And we do not know a specific day of his coming, so there is no specific day that we are to mark. But nonetheless, we can rejoice in him coming into the world. And I don't want to speak specifically about his incarnation here this evening. But I want to garner our thoughts upon three things that we see in the verse 10. As we think about sinners, as we think about this world, as we think about this world that was made by Christ, 
and the very Creator who came into the world. I want us to ponder these things here tonight with the Lord's gracious help. So looking at the verse 10, He was in the world. Well, who has John been speaking of? Well, he has been speaking about the one who is the light of the world. In fact, his name is the world, the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Verse 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then he goes on to describe the very fact that he made all things, verse 2 and 3. The same was in the beginning with God, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. He gives light to men. He gives understanding. Men are born in darkness in this world, deliberate darkness, alienated, separated from the life of God. We come into this world and we deny God. We deny God his sovereign rights over our lives. We deny him the authority and we suppress God in our minds. The Bible tells us that men hold down the truth in unrighteousness. That is, they suppress it. And while the heavens and the earth that Jesus Christ has made declare his glory, Psalm 19, men hold down the truth in unrighteousness. And he has to come and give light to men. And we're told that he lighteth men in this world. He doesn't light every man. And by nature is born in willful, abject denial of God, and is by nature a hater of God. In fact, all other religions actually hate God. They do not love God. They love man. They esteem man. They lift up man. And they make as if God is, well, indifferent. And they deny the truth. Now, God sent his son into the world. This is the most amazing thing, we have to say. This is the most condescending thing that God has ever done. This world that he made that has rebelled against him ever since Adam and Eve, and even before that, Satan, and Satan who has led so many in his train of destruction, in his wake of destruction, and men are willfully blinded by Satan. God sent his son into this sinful world. Let us just ponder that for a moment. I've said just this last week, God does not deal with humanity apart from Jesus Christ. Think of it, God made the world by Jesus Christ. And God will redeem his people out of this world by Jesus Christ. And God will make a new heavens and a new earth by His Son, Jesus Christ. And God will ultimately be glorified through all that Christ has done. And even now, the church needs the Lord Jesus because He prays and He watches over His church. He watches over this very meeting. And He knows His sheep. And He draws His sheep by the preaching of His Word by the instrumentality of His Word and by His Spirit. And men will not come to the light because we are told in John 3 
Why? Because they love darkness. It's amazing, isn't it? You know, you can be in a meeting like this. And you can be preaching simple things about mankind. And how mankind gets up, as it were, on his hind legs. And rebels against God. And says, no, this is not true. Man is basically good. Man is basically good and doesn't need God's mercy. But the fact of the matter is, as we come to our text this evening, we are met with a very striking truth, aren't we? Verse 10, he was in the world, and the world was made by him. And the first thing I want us to think of here, while he was in the world, the world knew him not. Now, there are many infallible proofs the Lord Jesus Christ did that prove that he is God. His whole life was one of complete impeccability, wasn't it? There was nothing in that man's life, the God-man's life, that anybody in this entire world can point a finger to that can say that there was not an impeccable life. But the Lord Jesus Christ's life, my friends, was not only impeccable, but the very fact that he performed many miracles, wonders and signs, all give credence and validation to the fact that he is God. God the Son. Think of it as he came into the world. The world that he made. And as he began to even speak, even as a as a boy of 12 years old, how men marveled at his speech, how men marveled at his knowledge, at his understanding of the Scriptures. His whole life was one of uniqueness. And no sin in that life. The Scriptures say he was holy, harmless, undefiled, Separate from sinners. All of his siblings could look at him and say, my brother, of course he was a half-brother, and many reject that, do they not? The Lord Jesus Christ had half-brothers and sisters because they did not share the same father. But as they looked at his life, what was there? There was no sin. James, the half-brother of our Lord Jesus, said, of the Lord Jesus, a servant of Jesus Christ. He, as he saw his sibling, although he was God and man, he could say, I am a true servant of the Son of God. And the whole life, that whole life of the Lord Jesus, while he was here on earth, it was completely unique. Never did anything wrong. Even at a young age, Boys, he was never found in a place that was forbidden. So many young people today, they're in places they should never be. There was never anything wrong in his life. Never any infraction, but complete obedience and love to the Father. It was his delight to do the Father's will as he came into this world. He could say, 
that he delighted to the fathers when he said, I always do those things which please my heavenly father. And yet, while he was in the world, the world knew him not. Now, why? Because the world did not want to know him. That is a, that is a statement of fact. The world did not want to know him. And it's true of even those that follow Christ. Does the world want to know you? Christians, does the world want to know you? Especially if you live a godly life? They want to shut you out. Why? Because you make them feel uncomfortable. That's the world, isn't it? And I have absolutely no doubt in that spotless, impeccable life of our Lord Jesus Christ, that while he was in the world, not through any deliberateness on his account, but he made the world very uncomfortable because he was holy, because he was harmless, unlike other men. And all the miracles that he did, what did he say? Believe at least on the account of the miracles that men would not believe. They wanted to see more and more and more and more and more. It was never enough. So they said, let us see a sign from heaven. Let us see the constellations move. Let us see supernatural things. And even, my friends, if, even if he could do that, it would never be enough. Because the human heart is so depraved. You know, some people say, but if they could see the real God, surely they would treat him kindly. If they could really see, and if they knew it was the Lord, well, he gave that parable, didn't he? The parable of the vineyard, where he explains that God the Father is the owner of that vineyard. And that he sent the prophets and they persecuted the prophets down through the ages. The messages of God. And that God was eventually going to send his son into the world. But eventually when the son comes, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what do they do? They seek to destroy the son and they do. They put him to death. He was in the world. And he made the world. And he had power over nature. Look at all the fishes that he sent into Peter's nets. Look at all the thousands that he fed. On one occasion, 4,000 men. On another occasion, 5,000. Plus the woman and the children. There would have been thousands, a plethora of people that he had fed. These, my friends, were infallible truths concerning his power and his Godhead. He was in the world the very creator of the world, and the world was made by him. And the fact that he had power over nature proved that he was the creator of the world, controlling the sea. He rebuked the winds and the waves and brought them to utter silence. He could rebuke devils, cast them out with one word, if I, by the finger of God, cast out devils, surely the kingdom of God is come upon you. He did all these mighty things. And yet, 
The world knew him not. Why? Because the world didn't want to know him. Is it any different? On the 25th of December, in the year 2022, does the world really want to know him? Oh, the world wants a God. A God of its own liking. Not the God of the Bible. Not the Lord Jesus of the Bible. They want a God that will comfort them and say, all is well. You can have your sin and you can have heaven as well. But he said, no. If a man will not take up his cross and deny himself, he cannot be my disciple. That's the Lord Jesus that the world rejected. That is the Lord Jesus that this world denied. He came, it says, to his own in verse 11 and following. That is, to the Jews, and they should have known so much about him, so much of the Messiah is spoken of to the Jews in the prophets and in the law, and yet they received him not. Don't even think that because he was born of the Jews, that the Jews would reject him. They, would, they rejected him because he is God. Man by nature rejects God, and man rejects the idea that God... come into the flesh. But my friends, the incarnation is the greatest mystery of all, isn't it? It's the greatest wonder of wonders. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, we're, called, we're told concerning the Savior, if you turn there with me, he's given various names, various names ascribed to the Lord Jesus Christ. And one of the names is called Wonderful, the Counselor, the Mighty God. Verse 6 of Isaiah 9. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God. El Gabor, the very creator of the world, the everlasting Father, because he is the father of a new race, his own people, that he would save out of lost Adam. He would be the second Adam, would he not? He will say, here am I, and all the children whom thou hast given me. And so he came into the world. It was spoken of him in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, that the virgin shall be with child. And yet the Jews received him not. It's in their own literature. It's in their, the scriptures, the scriptures that they had, the oracles. Did not Moses speak of one, another prophet, a greater, that would come into the world? Yes. Did not even Balaam, who tried to curse the people of God, not speak of his star? My friends, there are so many indicators to prove that he would come into the world. And he did come into the world. But really, the world does not want to know him. Why? Because he is the light. You turn with me to John 3. And John 3 gives us the answer. And John 3, the Lord Jesus Christ has been speaking to Nicodemus. And uh, he's been telling him about a man must be born again and so on. 
And uh, Nicodemus didn't understand these things. At this point, Nicodemus, we believe, was clearly not born again, a man who didn't have faith at this time. And then, indeed, we are given tremendous things here about the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice verse 19 of John 3. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Now John has been telling us that Christ is the light. And why do men not come? Because they don't want to. Because the human heart is so depraved, and so lost, and it wants to live without God. And Christ speaks the truth. And often, it's true, when we speak the truth, people don't like it. It's the old saying, we have a tendency to pull down blinds. You will not see in my heart. I'll pull down the blinds of my heart. And I'll shoot arrows at God or the preacher. Men reject the truth. They hate the truth. Men did not come to Christ. He was in the world... And do we think that if he even came into the world now and did as many miracles, even twice as many miracles, do we think that the world would be converted? No. No, they wouldn't. But my friends, let me say, there are a few things to glean from here. That while he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not, and he came unto his own, and his own received him not, But there is a blessed verse, verse 12. But as many as received him, gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that would believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. When God gives that new birth, what does he do? He shows you that you are darkness in and of yourself. He shows you that all knowledge that you have is worthless without Christ. He shows you the darkness of this world and not only the depravity of your own heart, but he shows you that Christ is the light of the world and all that he speaks is truth and you never argue with it. And you never put man's word on the same level as God's word. Psalms 116, the psalmist says, I said in my haste, all men are as liars. And then he goes on to speak about the Lord. He says, I said in my haste, yes, but there's one man, my friend, that never lied. All men are born liars. And men have made their own inventions of God and religion. But there is one who came forth who is truth, Jesus Christ. The psalmist says, I spoke in my haste and said all men are as liars. But there was one to come into this world. And we read in John, he came from the Father full of grace and truth. Christ is full of grace, coming to do what sinners 
have not done and could never do in their entire lifespan. And that is to obey God's law. Jesus Christ came into the world. He who was the word. And he came full of grace and truth. Notice verse 14. And the word was made flesh. That is Christ. Verse 1. The word was God. And God, as it were, became flesh. And the word never changed. And let me say this tonight. If you get anything, God's word has never changed. God has always promised the gospel. He has always promised to send his son into the world. But the stark reality is, men have willfully, blindfully chosen to reject that truth. John 3, we're told... How man is born in sin, unless he is born from above. He remains in spiritual darkness. He wants to remain there. He will not come to the light. Genesis 3.15, we're told that God the Father would send his Son. Born of the woman. Born of the seed of the woman. He would come into this world. And while he came into the world, the world knew him not. But friends, you know what he does? He reveals himself. How does he do that? He brings you light. And what does that light do? It dispels darkness in your heart. How do you know whether you are born again? You say, I dispel this now. I dispel this silly, foolish notion that I could ever make myself right with God. That's the first thing you dispel. One of the other things you dispel is that there is anything good in you. When the light comes to you, the light says, you have lived for yourself. And there's no hope in you. It's not about turning a new leaf. We know in the next year, new year if we enter it, many people will be saying, you know, I, I decide to turn a new leaf. I'm going to change my life around. But God does that in the hearts of his people. He turns them around. He turns them out of darkness and puts them into the kingdom of the Son of his love. And they receive him. Why? Because they are born not of blood. My friends, let me say to you, salvation doesn't run in the family line. It's a sad reality. But it's the truth. Salvation doesn't run in the family line. And in some ways, this gives us great hope, doesn't it? Because maybe you think, well, I'm not born in a Christian family. Well, maybe I was. And maybe I see my siblings, they're not saved. Well, it's therefore not dependent on your upbringing so much, is it? But of God's grace... As he humbled you to see that you are unworthy. That you are in and of yourself darkness. That you are in and of yourself deserving of his wrath and his eternal justice. That you are like others by nature, 
dead in your trespasses and sins, that you have a heart that is averse to God. But He shows you His grace. And here is the question, why did He send His Son? Because there was no other way, friend, that He could ever deal with His people's sins than Him coming to live for them. We're told in Romans chapter 10, that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to all who believe. You try to earn a righteousness before God, my friend, it is a pointless exercise because from the day of your birth, in fact, even before you were born, the Bible says you were sinning, even in your mother's womb. And you are born of a sinner. And the Scriptures tell you and me, As Job records, can anything clean come out of that which is unclean? This is why the only child born of Mary was sinless, was the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus Christ's other siblings, they were all born sinners and so was Mary. Because Mary said, my Lord and my Savior. Mary herself was a sinner, lost, without any hope. But her hope was in the Savior to come. The one who would give his life as a ransom for many. And this was God's promise, that he would send salvation by this way. But the Savior would have to be born, conceived of the Holy Spirit. In the womb of Mary was God. John says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And as he dwelt among men, how did men treat him? How did his life end? Did it end well? No, it didn't end well, but in a sense it did. He was put to death by men. Nailed to a cruel cross. But that was not the end of his life. You see, he has the power of an endless life. When he breathed his last, his soul didn't die. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. His body died. As we thought this morning, he was made a curse while he was living. He was made a curse, not while he was dead. We thought about the defilement upon the land. It was against Deuteronomical law, was it not, to put a man and to allow him to hang upon a cross the next day, even if he were a criminal, lest the land be defiled. It's so very different for the Lord Jesus. The whole world was already under a curse, was it not? Cursed is the man that continueth not in the law to do the things of the law. And that's how we are by nature in Adam. We're all cursed. The wages of sin is what? Death. 
Adam brought in death. Adam brought in the curse. And we have, what have we done in our own lives? We have brought nothing but the cursing of God upon us and the wrath of God. But for Christ's people, as they look at him, they see the holiness of God. They see the Holy One of God coming into this world and living amongst men. And they see how he must be treated, how he must be despised, how he must be forsaken, how he must be mocked, how he must be ridiculed and put to shame, how we must suffer in their place. But he must do that in order to take away their sin. And you see, it is to all who are born again that he did this for. And they will eventually in time come to see it and believe upon God's dear Son. And though we may feel in the minority, friends, there are many that have gone up to heaven that have believed the same gospel. There are many that Christ has in heaven. His kingdom is vast. There are many that are in heaven now praising God. And they behold the Lamb of God. We shall see them. But you know this, they will all suffer in this life. Paul tells us, we will suffer. We will suffer with Christ. But he says, if we suffer with him, we shall also reign with him. To suffer with him in this life means that you will be ostracized by friends, by family, by society. That they will call you mad. That they will call you a fanatic. That they will call you a lunatic. That they will call you a crazy person. Because you follow Christ. And because you believe that he is the only way. But my friends, you tell me another way. You tell me another way to be saved. You can't. Because there is no other way. The Apostle Paul says, There is no other name under heaven given amongst men whereby you must be saved. A man can't save you. A priest can't save you. A minister can't save you. Nobody in this world can save but God. This one is the light of the world who came to live for his people, my friends, and to lay down his life for his people. He said, my sheep come to me. Why? Why do they come? He says, all that the Father gives me shall come. And he tells us they cannot come unless they're drawn. Have you been drawn to God? Does the cross mean anything to you? The coming of the Savior? Well, my friends, look beyond the crib, for goodness sake. Look beyond the foolish pagan idea the world calls Christmas. Look beyond that. Look beyond all the glitter and the paraphernalia that is paraded up and down the streets and in so many churches. 
and look to the cross. That's why he came. He came to go to the cross, to suffer and to die for his people. Who are his people? They're born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. It was God's choice. The fact that you're believing is a miracle. It's a miracle in itself, isn't it? And you know, if you're believing, you will go on believing. Because when God gives a faith, he doesn't take it away. Because when God gives faith, he gives repentance. And that's one thing you must always check. Is my faith genuine? If my faith is genuine, there is genuine repentance. There's a turning of heart. There's a hatred of sin. How can I go on in my sin? How can I go on in indifference, knowing what my Savior had to suffer? How can I? How can I, Paul says, live unto sin anymore? I should be dead to sin. I should be now alive to Christ. They're born again. They're born of God. Born of His Spirit. His Word touches our hearts. And there is not going to be anything we are going to allow that gets in the way of us and God. He is mine and I am His forever. I want to be His I love him because he has loved me, the loveless, the unworthy. You see, that's why it's so important, you see. When you become a Christian, you see that in yourself there is no light apart from Christ. And you run to his word for light. You don't run anywhere else, but you you run to the word. You say, it's the word, it's the word. And if the preacher doesn't preach the word, I don't want to hear that preacher. I want the word. I want Christ, and I'll have nothing else. And I want to be in the church where Christ the Word is preached, because He is the light. John, bear witness of that light. And what did John say about the Lord Jesus? He said, I'm not worthy to untie that man's shoe sandals. You remember when he came to John to be baptized? He said, I must be baptized of you. Why was that? Because he saw the Lord Jesus to be perfect. But the Lord Jesus said, no, he said, I must be baptized to fulfill all righteousness. Well, what righteousness is that? Well, he was going down in the water as the representative of his people. The water pictures death. Remember what he said, I'm going to be baptized to his disciples with a baptism that you're not able. He was going to be baptized with that baptism of the cross. Baptism is a picture of death. And every believer has been baptized into Christ. That means they have died. It's not them. They are born again. Paul tells us in Galatians 3, does he not? In verse 26 and 27, whoever has put on Christ has been baptized into Christ. That means you're dead to the old self. It means what it says here in verse 
12 and 13 that you've been born of God. And that, my friends, is a miracle. It's a miracle that God should send his son into the world. But it's amazing that the world should reject him. Of course it does, because it's not a good world. It's a world that loves darkness. It's a world that loves sin. It's a world that loves itself. But when God saves a person, that person is lost in wonder, in praise of God Almighty in the very person of Jesus Christ. They lost in wonder. They want to lose themselves in Christ. They wrap themselves in His righteousness. And they have no trust in their own righteousness. They have no trust in rites, in baptisms, in rituals, or anything like that. Even the Lord's table is a symbol of what He's done for us. He shed his blood for me. And in that body he bore my sin. We remember him. When we come to the table, don't we? And we thank him for what he's done. He who made the world, the Father, sent him into the world. A body hast thou prepared for me. Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not. But a body hast thou prepared for me. And in that body, friends, was the perfect one. The one who made the world and yet condescended to become a man. And humble himself, even unto death. that he should receive that name which is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. In the world, the world did not know him. And the world still does not know him. The world still does not want to know him. But blessed be God. You know what? He has commanded his church to go out and to preach the gospel in all the world. And he will call his sheep to himself. He will humble them. He will show them that they are darkness in and of themselves. That there's no hope in man's religion. But only hope in the Son of God. And he who made the world will make them new. He does make people new. It's not impossible. That's what a new creature is. And I pray by the grace of God we might see his power in the days ahead for the glory of God. Amen.